0: to Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion. This week, we welcome Jeff Notkin to the show. He is the two-time Emmy Award-winning host of STEM Journals, and he co-hosted Meteorite Man on the Science Channel. But first, we're going to discuss the future of space stations as the ISS nears the end of its operational life. We also find that supermassive black holes wandering through space may be more common than we thought, and we hear about the discovery of an asteroid by someone who is very familiar to fans of Star Trek. Supermassive black holes are usually found near the centers of galaxies, but occasionally they can be knocked free of their family of stars through collisions between these massive gravitational bodies. A new set of simulations conducted using a model called Romulus shows these nearly invisible gravitational wells hundreds of millions or billions of times more massive than the sun may be far more common than we thought and incredibly difficult to find. The future of space stations is uncertain once the International Space Station ends its mission in the coming years. Uh, International agreements to operate the orbiting outpost expire in 2024, signaling the earliest time the ISS program might come to an end. However, NASA Administrator Bill Nelson, as well as some European space leaders... ...supports extending the program through 2030. This space station, as long as a football field and weighing more than four blue whales... ...will eventually meet its fiery death over the South Pacific. Without the ISS in orbit, China and private industry could fill the void... ...building the next generation of space stations... Tim Russ, best known as his, in his role as Commander Chewbac on Star Trek Voyager, recently helped make a real-world discovery about space, an asteroid traveling along the sun along with Jupiter. The asteroid Petroclus was found by Russ together with five other citizen scientists assisting NASA in planning the upcoming Lucy mission. These Trojan asteroids of Jupiter are composed of some of the oldest material in the solar system, and studying these bodies could assist researchers seeking to understand the nature of our family of planets.
1: Looking deep into the universe, we see backwards in time, and the oldest light in the universe holds secrets to how everything around us will, one day, end. Thank you.
0: Next up, we talk with Jeff Notkin, who's going to teach us some fascinating facts about meteorites. This week on Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion, we're overjoyed to be talking with Jeff Notkin. He is uh, the two-time Emmy Award-winning host of STEM Journals, and he was the host of Media Right Men on the Science Channel. He is also CEO of Aerolite Rights, and he's here to talk to us about those funny rocks on the ground from space. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you, James. It is a pleasure to see you again, sir. You as well um so tell me what tell us what is it about meteorites that just makes them so interesting
2: oh should i answer that question intellectually in words or should i perhaps just hold up a really spectacular meteorite to the to the camera what what, what what do you what do you think <laughs> what do you think I is a, that is a, is a is a video feed worth a thousand words or or, or a million words this is a sacodylene iron meteorite. This is one of my favorites. This fell in Russia in 1947. So I, I'm an art guy and a science guy. I've, I've been involved in the arts as long as I've been involved in the sciences, and, and there's always been this, this friendly, well, relatively friendly, tug of war between the arts and the sciences. So intriguing to me for two reasons. One, first of all, the obvious. This is, this is, a, this is an alien. This is an alien visitor. It's an inanimate alien, but it's not from here. This is a piece of extraterrestrial nickel iron that originated most likely in the asteroid belt and made a made a long journey, long, slow journey. Well, actually it's probably probably travelling really quickly, but comparatively slow for the time it would take to get here from the asteroid asteroid belt. And and it fell upon the Earth, was witnessed for, was seen to fall in nineteen forty seven. So so it's a scientific wonder. But let's look at it from another point of view look at the look at the beautiful shape of this it has it has a has a sculptural aspect to it and these these little indentations on the surface are called regnoglip and they are caused as it's flying through the earth's atmosphere and the surface of blade so briefly the surface was molten and that's how those those features formed so in a nutshell visitors from outer space natural artistic wonders you might say a marvel of cosmic engineering landed, dropped upon the earth for for our viewing pleasure and our our uh, and the and providing us with the challenges of expeditions and our sometimes fruitless, sometimes wondrous attempts to locate them. <laughs> and uh, I, just what what is it that got
0: you particularly interested in meteorites?
2: I've wondered about this a lot, James, and, and it's it's uh, the eternal question, really. Where does inspiration come from? Where does interest come from? And certainly, deeply rooted in my childhood, and and a combination of factors. One, for sure, an astronomy book, the Golden Wonder Book of Astronomy, that my father got me when I was when I was very little. You probably know it. it's a mm-hmm. lovely hardback book. I had with, the same book. Yep. Oh, do you? Okay. <laughs> I so I used yep, 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 long ago excellent well no wonder we get along so well (laughs) it was a perhaps a formative experience for you too but i would i would sit i i would i would lie in bed or sit in my my reading chair in my room when i was a little boy and and look at these 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 planetscapes moonscapes that were the artistic the result of the artistic imagination of the painters but based on the scientific data we had at the time and i i was i was i was wrapped r-a-p-t not W R A P P E D. I, I was wrapped in enraptured by these paintings and, and wanted to go i wanted to stand on titan and and visit the asteroid belt not possible yet although maybe in, in the near future thanks to, to virgin galactic and and spacex and and all the other technological wonders that we've seen in the past two years so so I looked at these books. I was fascinated. I wanted to experience this environment. And then my dad was an amateur astronomer. Right. So we always right. had telescopes around, as you know. And, and I, I really, I've spent a lot of time thanking my mother retrospectively. She, she passed away many years ago, but she was very, very patient with me, a, a little boy who was fascinated by science. And she would take me to the museums in London where, where I grew up over and over and over again. Right. And so early experiences in, in museums, Definitely fueled my wonder, and I've always loved museums and, and exhibits. But but I'm am a tactile guy. I it, I'm, I'm 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 impatient. I'm a collector. I wanna I wanna hold the thing. I wanna experience the thing. So looking through a telescope at the rings of Saturn, made up of little fragments that could potentially be meteorites, probably many of them. It ultimately it just wasn't enough for me. And I absolutely love astronomy. Don't don't get me wrong. And and I think you know that I've I've spoken at Northeast Astronomy. For numerous times and, and spoken at cellophane and have been to many of the great astronomy events and here, here in Arizona, Fountain Hills and many others. So I'm very connected with the astronomy community. I love it, but I, but I need to have the thing. I, I need, I need to have a collection of items. And so that's, I think that's where the, the passion for meteorites was, was born. They are astronomy made manifest on earth by my interpretation.
0: Right. Of course, now we're getting samples back from asteroids. It's just the news. You know, OSIRIS-REx, of course, is
2: returning. How about that? With some samples I am such from a Genu. fan. I can't, I can't let that go by without comment because I'm such a fan of OSIRIS-REx. And so the, the, the mission director, or the principal investigator, I should say, Dante Loretta, is a, is a very good yeah. friend of mine. Yeah. And the Drake building, the headquarters of the OSIRIS-REx mission, they're my neighbors. They're right next door to Aerolite Meteorites my meteorite company in downtown tucson so we've been over to visit many times and dante has been over to visit many times and the first time i i've known dante for years but the first time shortly after we moved into this into our headquarters building years ago when i found out that osiris rex headquarters was, was virtually next door i i i knew then i knew in my heart that we had we'd picked the right place to move to so yes what a what a bold what a fantastic mission to go to an asteroid and scoop up a, a sam- samples and bring them home to Earth. It's the stuff of science fiction. It's, it's mind bending. It's tremendous. And, and Dante is is such a brilliant and charismatic person. Yeah. He is he's, he's such such a, a great role model for for scientists and science communicators. That definitely one of my favorite people. So you, you couldn't you couldn't pick a smarter or nicer gentleman to head that mission in my opinion. And we had several events here in Tucson a series of events called Benuval at the yeah. Magnificent Art Deco Fox Theatre. Oh, yeah, were you? There. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. I yeah, didn't I, was, I, was oh, si- I was
0: sitting next to Christian.
2: Oh, marvelous. Oh, I'd yeah. forgotten that you were there. So you well know then that we, we had celebrated the, the, the Benu, the Osiris Direct Commission several times here in Tucson in, in, if I may say, very grand style at the Fox Theatre. Absolutely. So that, that was another one of Dante's projects. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, I was- like I warn that, you, I, was- I can- I can easily digress i can easily switch from meteorites to asteroids and space so be careful <laughs> just you
0: know just a like quick aside i uh i was at a nasa press conference yesterday about oh. uh or day before with uh, with dante about uh, really about being new. yeah 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 excellent he was speaking i was listening yeah. <laughs> but yeah, very I, like, good. I like Dante a lot. He's, he's a fantastic communicator.
2: And I just read an NPR piece yesterday that said, I think we have a, something like a 1,700 and something chance of being hit by Bennu in the next couple of hundred years. Right, but yeah, by just 2,300. Adds a, add a little spice to it. Maybe you could interpret that that the asteroid Bennu is very annoyed that we have sent a robot to take samples from <laughs> I know I would be a him or, or her to remove <laughs> some of its integrity and, and be so brash as to bring it back to the land of humans. And so Bennu will then, in a couple of hundred years, when he gets here, crash upon the earth in the process. <laughs> just screaming I, through the atmosphere, what do you want,
0: Jenkins?
2: <laughs> yes, yes. You want meteorites? I will deliver meteorites to you in uh, larger numbers than you wanted to <laughs> take shelter. No, we shouldn't. We shouldn't even joke yes, about yes. asteroid Bennu. I'm, I'm a great. I'm a great. A great fan of of both Bennu and Osiris Rex. So, uh, what a what an inspiration for for all of us interested in meteorites, astronomy, and, and asteroids to to undertake a, a mission of that complexity. And and uh, so far, so good. Has been a tremendous success. May it may it land safely. So, so, and then we'll have another Bennu ball party at the Pop Theatre. Hopefully, Dante, if you're listening, definitely in for that. All right. So uh,
0: you have. I hear a rumor that you have some uh, interesting
2: little meteorites to show us. Oh, maybe, maybe I would. So, would? so I showed I, show, I showed you this. I showed you this decodoline, uh, and I, I do want to tell your viewers that this this has been cleaned, gently cleaned, to mimic what it would have looked like at the time of fall. And you'll notice that it has a a bluish gray tint to it, and and that is remnant fusion crust. So when when a meteorite Slides through the atmosphere; the surface burns, uh, ablates, and often forms a a thin dark rind called fusion crust. Now, here is an example of what most meteorites look like when they're found. This is a stone meteorite from Australia. This is called Gascoyne Junction, and this is this is a complete stone. This is as found. But notice the difference in color. This is this is an orangey brown. And oh I should have done the magnet test. If you're if you're a meteorite hunter enthusiast, you always need to have a good magnet handy. Do not put this near your your laptop, your iPhone, your credit card, or oh I should I shouldn't use brand names, right? Don't put it near your smartphone. So I mentioned that this was a, a nickel iron alloy. This is about ninety three percent iron. So <laughs> magnets sticks so well to that, that that it doesn't want to come off. Now we use, as you know, James, from 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 our show Meteorite Men and and when you you've you've seen me speak a couple of times, I talk about meteorite hunting and some of the the equipment, devices, and techniques that we use. Most 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 nearly all meteorites have iron in them. So that was about 93% iron. This is about this is about 20% iron. You know that uh, I I did three seasons of of Meteorite Men for for Science Channel with uh, with my great friend and co-host Steve Arnold, and. One of the one of the joys of that show, apart from the adventure and the I was going to say thrill, but I'd say the challenges of challenging of traveling across many different continents with Steve, who is a, a very, a very charismatic and, and a bullion character and, and puts a lot of energy out into the world. And I'm maybe maybe a little bit more contemplative sometimes And when I'm hunting for meteorites. I do enjoy the solitary aspect. And, and Steve brings an enormous amount of energy and fanfare to to hunting but he's one of the great meteorite hunters of all time and anyway in our adventures not only did, did we find numerous meteorites but but through our activities we caused other meteorites to come to light and this is is one of my favorite stories now this is a piece of the sturly Palisite. so this is a okay. this is a stony iron so it's about it's a mixture of the two meteorites that we already looked at. So it's about half nickel iron and about half silicates. And in this case, the silicate is olivine, which in a pure form is the gemstone peridot. And some of these crystals are, are are very very pure. They have a they have a beautiful greenish hue to them. So this is called the Sterling pallasite from Texas. There's only a single piece known. It was actually found in 1950 by a farmer working on his his land in Texas. And he thought, ah, interesting rock, ah, I don't know, put it on the mantelpiece. Mm-hmm. And at some point he had it sent off for inspection at uh, University of Texas. And they said, yes, yeah, we believe it's a meteorite, but they took it no further. And he still had the paperwork from 1951 when he, he sent it to the university. And then it just sat on his mantelpiece, nothing was done with it. And then his son, many decades later saw meteorite men and reached out to us through our friend and colleague Dr. Lawrence Garvey at ASU Center for Meteorite Studies and said I believe we have a meteorite that my dad found and watching the show made me realize there might be some significance to it so we got together with him and his family they came to Arizona we inspected the piece it was definitely a meteorite there was no doubt about it it still had some fusion crust on the outside and a a very beautiful form and so we we purchased it from him and we had it classified and it it, we really wanted to make it available it was a beautiful piece i don't really like to cut meteorites but sometimes you have to there was so much interest in this and so it's a palisite but it turned out to be slightly different from any other palisite known It it has a different different chemical composition and some of the great institutions in the world just lined up to get a piece and th- this is your dream when when you're a meteorite hunter and and collector and in the, in the involved in meteorite commerce retail trading as as I am that you find or come across or help bring to market something that's unique amazing and fascinating that, that everybody wants and i don 't mean in financial terms, although that's nice, but the the excitement when the when the Vienna Museum of Natural History calls and says I want a piece, and so did Harvard, and so did the Royal Ontario Museum in Toronto, and the University of New Mexico, m- many uh, and UCLA, many of the great institutions just immediately said we must have a piece of the Sterling Power site. and so that accounted for for half of all the pieces, and that's because of meteorite men. This this gentleman watched the show. He goes, my dad found a strange rock. I should do something with it, and we we acquired it. We prepared it, we had it identified and it turns out to be something new and exciting for science and, and, and well, isn't that a wonder? How marvelous to be able to to be a conduit to be part of the of its journey from from a field in Texas to the collections mm-hmm. of most of the great meteorite museums in the world. What an honor to to be able to have been a small part of that. That's made my year.
1: You're listening to Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion, a podcast focused on making science accessible to everyone, including weekly interviews with groundbreaking scientists. We depend on support from fans like you, helping us bring science news and education directly to listeners around the globe. Visit us at thecosmiccompanion.net forward slash support for information on subscriptions and other ways you can help support this program. Subscriptions start at just 99 cents a month. Show your love of astronomy and space exploration by visiting the cosmiccompanion.net forward slash support today.
0: Hi there, this is James Maynard from the Cosmic Companion. Thank you so much for joining us. Now our podcast is put out through Anchor FM. If you've ever wanted to have to do your own podcast, they're a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, Anchor gives you a chance to uh, put get your podcast together with all the tools in one place. And uh, you can do it from your phone or a computer. And they're going to help you get distributed out to all the major platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it. And so, best of all, Anchor's all free. How cool, huh? Anyway, if you want to check it out, go download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Clear skies. That's great. And uh, speaking of which, bonding cool little rocks and around. Um,
2: what have you got? Are right. we going to do show and tell? Oh, this
0: is, uh, yeah comes from my backyard with my lack of anything resembling, a spat side. It looks kind of like that there's a, and so just to give me an idea. This thing has a volume of 610 cubic centimeters and a mass of 1,568 grams. Which works out to a density of 2.57 grams per cubic centimeter
2: gosh it's so nice working with science people who know what they're doing <laughs> I, I i really take my hat off to you sir because usually i'll get sent, sent well often i'll get something sent in a paper bag and they they'll say yeah oh, i found it in my driveway how much is it worth Whereas right. you've already done you've already done a preliminary analysis on it. i'm deeply impressed have you done the magnet test
0: uh, unfortunately, I have to say that uh, I don't have any real magnets around. Oh,
2: we'll here use this one. All right, great, great. I just, fantastic. Can I just, I'll just send this over to you as an attachment, shall I? <laughs> 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 I actually don't want to put it too close to my camera because these, <laughs> right. these things are super powerful. I, you, you know, from 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 seeing pictures and footage of my my hunting gear, that I I carry a rock hammer on my on my hip with with a couple of those magnets on it Mm -hmm. and i've i've had the experience of of walking past the truck or or some other metallic object and the hammers jumped out of my belt loop holder and clonk and just smashed onto the side of the truck and you (laughs) really don't want to do that to a rental i i don't mind if it's mine my 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 truck is designed for for that kind of shenanigans but oh my gosh we uh yeah we a couple of times got got a little got dinged a little bit on damage to rental vehicles mm-hmm. so anyway i sorry i i digress once again could i have another close look at that sure i'm trying to get you a better side i actually gave you a bad side to look at
0: this is sort of a more interesting
2: so it has it has a, a an asteroid like shape and you so you have a good eye it's dark it has an unusual has unusual surface features it looks this looks quite see. angular it looks like it could have waited but the, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you it's not a meteorite. And the ah. giveaway, a good, very good try, though. So we would say that's, that's an excellent meteor wrong, of, <laughs> of, <laughs> a very fine meteor Do you notice on the surface very small holes in it that yes. look almost like a sponge? Yeah, yeah. Those are called vesicles. And yeah. holes like that are typically caused when a molten mass cools and contracts and it expels gas that is trapped within it and we don't see vesicles of that type in in meteorites so uh, i i hesitate to say this because i don't want to confuse people but there are a few meteorite types that you might find very small vesicles on the inside if you studied it with a loop but large vesicles like that are are indicative of earth rocks now it could be called it's difficult to tell over a video piece. it could be called lava it could also be a hematite uh, one of the one of the uh iron oxides but alas not a meteorite and uh, that's a really good tip for people who are who have interesting rocks or interested in meteorite hunting discard anything that has holes on the surface and and if you don't mind me turning around for just a moment i'll show you uh, a couple of wrongs that are quite quite similar to yours so so here's one this this exhibits similar holes Yeah. Well, yeah. it's got a giant hole through the middle. I'm, I'm not talking about that, but but this is this is goitite, and you really see the vesicles, the the pinprick holes there. Now you get a right. good, you get a good view of it there. Yeah, yeah. And here is an example of what is most likely molten slag. So this would be runoff from a from a smelter probably. And look at that, look at those holes. But this is this is dense. It's metallic. It sticks to a magnet. It has a lot of the characteristics we would look for in a meteorite but but those those vesicles are a dead giveaway as is the non-homogenous surface look how the, look how though it's different it's right. got it's got a strange feature there sort of a glassy feature and then it's very stone like elsewhere so that's quite typical of that's something that we often see in in slag the, the molten residue of the smelting process and uh well it's, i should probably mention this because i because i have it right here on my table if you don't mind so you you know that I'm a science author this is the, this is the the latest edition of my award winning book which is uh, trying to help people work their way through this this issue how do i find meteorites how do i d- identify them and and it's got it's got hundreds of photos uh, it's, it's partly dedicated to meteorite hunting and partly to meteorite identification because I, when people ask me, well, how do, I, how, how do I start? How do I do it? You have to start by understanding what meteorites are, what they look like, what their characteristics are, because you can't find them if you don't know what you're looking for or don't understand their, as we might say, secret origin story. And where do people get more information about their book? Oh, it's widely available, James. So, so How to Find Treasure from Space by Jeffrey Knopskin. It's available on our company website, which is Arrowlight org. That's the meteorite company. Aerolite, as you know, James, but your viewers may not know, is an archaic word for meteorite, uh, a British old British language word. And I, it I just available. had to go with the archaic thing with my backdrop. Yes, no, I know. Believe me, I noticed that straight away. I meant to comment on that. It's marvelous. <laughs> so it looks like it looks like a vintage print. And uh, I support independent booksellers and uh, and it, it support your local bookshop. I, I prefer personally not to shop with, the, with the, giant, the Giant Online Chain, but you can find my book at The Giant Online Chain and numerous other places, just do a search. And uh, reach out to me on social media or, or via airlight.org. Uh I'm always happy to sign copies and, and uh, time permitting, answer questions as best we can.
0: Super, that's
2: great. Well, it was great talking with you, Jeff. Thanks so much my for joining the show. It's, uh, it, it really is a delight to catch up with you i'm i'm so impressed that you brought a uh, suspected meteorite so that we could do a little a little meteorite id for your viewers and and i hope they find that useful oh and you did i, I didn't fully answer your question we do offer free identification resources as well that could be very useful for anyone who's interested in and, and again if you go to my website which is aerolite.org, there is there's a link right on the home page that says uh, earth rock versus meteorite identification and there's a, there are free resources there with photographs and tells you about the magnet test and how to get magnets and how to do all those things. And now uh, people who are interested, I, I recommend take carrying a magnet in the field with you. That uh, saves you bringing back a lot of uh, non-meteorites from your hunting expeditions if you, if you have a magnet. Video runs. <laughs> all right, great
0: talking with you and love to talk with you again sometime. Uh, it would be my pleasure anytime, James. Thank you so much. Thanks. And Cheers. that was Jeff Notkin, uh, host of STEM Journals and Meteorite Man and CEO of Arrowlight Meteorites. Visit with us each week on Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion as we bring the cosmos down to Earth and scientists directly into your homes and on your phone with with fun, informative interviews. Next week, we're going to talk with CHI member Caitlin Shin, who will teach us about fast radio bursts coming from space. So make sure to visit with us then. Subscribe to our VIP newsletter to see every episode of this show one day early, together with advanced viewings of our comics and a whole lot more. Bad space jokes, too. We depend on support from viewers just like you. For ways to help support this program, including VIP subscriptions, please visit thecosmiccompanion.net forward slash support. Please, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep your wonder alive. If you enjoyed this episode of Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion, please download and share the episode on YouTube, Facebook Video, or your favorite podcast provider. Remember, you can watch every episode of the show at thecosmiccompanion.tv. For more details on space and astronomy news, please visit thecosmiccompanion.com or thecosmiccompanion.net.